Yo, get yeah. out of here with them weak, weak ass shoes, yo. Welcome everybody to season two, episode one of Balls Deep with Devin and Jovan, where uh, we dive balls deep in uh, the hottest stories in sports. Um, we, we'll start off with, you know, Happy New Year. Um, if you're new to the program, uh, welcome. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, but I am Devin. I'm your host and I'm joined by my co-host, my wonderful co-host at that, Jovan. How are you doing? Wonderful. I got beautiful last time. Nah, Man. you're just wonderful yeah, now. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, what we have planned for you guys today, we plan on talking about some college football, being that, you know, the semifinals just happened this past weekend, and we'll be talking about some NFL news now that, you know, the NFL season is wrapped up. And we know what coaching vacancies there are uh, thus far. Who knows? There might be some more in the near future. But we know what they are, and we know the wild card matchups. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, but we'll start off with college football. Um, so to summarize what went on, uh, Bama, they just ran over Notre Dame, but Notre Dame kept it close for the for the you know the first half. Uh, but the second half was all Bama. Uh, they lost by 17. Devontae Smith won off for two touchdowns, um, which, you know, he's the Heisman. It's official. <laughs> he secured the Heisman. Congrats to him. He's the third receiver to ever do it. Um, hopefully he's a future giant. We can only hope and pray. Um, but they they just look like they have all season. I mean, Notre Dame. I think they put up a, a bigger, a better fight than you know. Texas A&M did because they lost by 28. So, I think Notre Dame proved that even though it was a blowout, they were the right team to get into the playoffs. What do you think? I agree. I think that they played a good game. I think Bama started kind of slow, so I mean I'll give some of that credit to Notre Dame. Um, or not slow, but it was a lot closer game in the, in the beginning. Um, it seemed like if at any point Notre Dame wanted to turn it on and kind of change the game, they left it in the realm of possibility um, for themselves. Uh, ultimately, Bama was just Bama um, all night, and they did what you know was expected of them, and they just went out there and they won. And they won convincingly. Yeah, it was almost like they kept the game in reach. It was. I think uh, the deficit was like 14 for some time. Um, and every time they took a step closer, they took two steps back. Because um, as they were itching close, closer to scoring, they turned over the ball, whether it was a fumble or interception. Um, so the momentum easily just shifted over to Bama, and Bama just took that with them. Uh, and they took it to victory, uh, which shows why they're the number one team for a reason in the country. But shifting over to... The matchup, the two-three matchup, Clemson versus Ohio State. Um, we know you're an Ohio State fan, um, and they came on top. It, me and you both, uh, we both picked 
Ohio State to come out on top in this game. Uh, me, or well, I chose them in particular because I, I said Justin Fields was going to outplay Trevor Lawrence in this matchup, and he proved me right. That man balled out. Um, just just a little glimpse of what what, uh, what he did. He threw for uh, 22 for 28, 385 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. That one interception could have easily been a touchdown. Uh, I think he was trying to throw it in the back of the end zone, uh, but it got tipped and ultimately was intercepted. Um, but that doesn't even taint his stat line or his game because he was hurt for at least half the game. And he and with these throws that he was making downfield, um, you couldn't tell. He was, hurt, or he was hurt unless you were like look, looking at his face while making these plays because uh, he was definitely in pain. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was a great game to watch as an Ohio State fan. I mean, it was nothing but good things. I mean, they won by 21 points. Um, first drive didn't look all that well. Um, I was watching it with a friend, and they even said to me, oh, he was like, oh, your, your team's not looking good. Um, but obviously they turned things around. Um, at that point, because um, after the first drive, it was really just score after score. Um, obviously, winning by 21 um, against a really good Clemson football team is huge, um, especially people um, were saying we didn't belong, even after we won, saying we didn't belong, blaming you know the targeting call for the reason that Clemson lost, even though at that point we were already handling yeah, business. Sure. Um you know, you talk about Justin Fields, clearly had an amazing game, but Trey Sermon as well had, a, I believe, a 193-yard game, a touchdown. Olave, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Um, both studs um, played really good. Um, Trey Sermon obviously kind of just showing what he can do as of late. Um, Chris Olave, I've been watching him do this for two seasons now, um, and – and really, um, he's not talked about, but this is something that, you know, Ohio State fans see him do week in and week out. So um, I was just really happy to see us come out and play the way we did. Uh, we played with an edge, especially because, you know, nobody in that rock locker room forgot about last year, um, having lost to Clemson. And then, you know, obviously the, lo the loss is tough enough to, you know, swallow uh, but having felt like the game was kind of taken away from you, even worse. Um, so they came out there and they just, you know, showed why they belonged. Um, and it was just, it was just, it makes you happy. It was bittersweet. It makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. It was I mean, I, mean I, I was happy because my guy, Justin Fields, definitely redeemed himself. I mean, you guys redeemed yourselves in general from the loss last year. Um, it was a they, they meant, you mentioned the targeting call. Um, I think that targeting call was more of a targeting call than, you know, last year's against Sean Wade, um, which happened to go against you guys. I think if either one had to be a targeting call, it was definitely the one from this season. Uh, but I don't think – I think the, the rule sucks. And I think uh, bo both situations uh, didn't – need to result in you know an ejection i think both players deserve to stay in the game especially at being the national championship out of, out of all games i felt like they were they both were deserving uh to stay in the game 
but it really sucks for this linebacker. Uh, I forget his name, but he was he's a senior and he he was ejected I think last year against Bama in the national championship too. So, uh, what this wasn't the national championship, but it was the semifinals. But being the college football playoffs, I think it needs to be on a, a, a almost play by play basis. So it, it varies. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, case by case. Case by case, yeah. I agree 100%. Um, even as an Ohio State fan, um, I think by the, the, you know, by the definition of the rule, um, I don't think Wade's last year was targeting at all. Um, I do think, however, this one, that might sound biased because I'm a Ohio State fan, but this is an unbiased eye. Uh, 100% this one was um, because, by definition, it's when somebody leads with the helmet. It's exactly what he did. Um, led with the helmet, um, and and that's really all you need to say. Um, do I think the rule sucks? Yeah, because um, I don't think it was intentional. Um, although Justin Fields did get hurt, um, you know, I think the guy was just trying to go out there For sure. and make a play. Um, it should be on a case-by-case basis. Um, and really, I think they should implement a rule like the NBA does with the flagrant ones and flagrant twos. Um, you know, kind of deciding, okay, was it – it was a bad foul, so it's a flagrant. But a flagrant two kind of, you know, it elevates when, you know, it's intentional, it was unnecessary, this, that, and the third. So I think uh, the NCAA should look into something along the lines of that just so that it doesn't consistently happen because we've seen it happen plenty of times where, like you said, a guy in his senior year in a in such a huge bowl game to go to the national championship is getting, you know, kicked out the game. Um it's just unfortunate to end your college career that yeah. way, you know what I mean? Um, and like I said, I think the game was handedly won at that point. Ohio State looked like they were on top of the mountain. Clemson looked deflated. Uh, but, you know, that player might feel otherwise. He might feel like he would have been able to make a difference, and we never really know. Um, I don't think that's, that takes anything away from Ohio State at all. But I just think, yeah, the game was already out of hand. Like I say, I just think it sucks to end your For sure, and I do agree with the NBA implementation. I think that would definitely help moving forward. Um, But talking about the national championship, this is the matchup that we should have seen last year. Um, So this is very exciting. Uh, Basically, if you guys come in looking like you guys did against Clemson, Bama might have a problem on their hands defensively. Um, But you guys might have a problem on your hands defensively as well with the Heisman, you know, on the other side. I think in order for you guys to win this game, you guys need to slow him down. Uh, just to throw out some stats, Devontae Smith, he leads college football uh, with 20 touchdowns. And Sean Wade, he he's third most in college football in terms of uh, touchdowns allowed. He has six touchdowns. And he, he already said it. He's like, you know who I want to guard. He wants to guard the Heisman. So uh, that's going to be a, a key matchup. Uh, can Wade slow him down is what's going to help you guys. Um, also, um, Christian, uh, Christian Barmore from Bama, their defensive tackle, he currently has 34 quarterback pressures, which is the most in by a uh, Power 5 defensive tackle. And he's going to be key for, you, uh, for them as well. Uh, he's going to cause some uh, cause some disruption. And hopefully Fields is 100%. Uh, we've seen what he, what he was like last year against Clemson when he wasn't 100%. Uh, but then again, you could also say he wasn't 100% this year against Clemson, but going in, he was. Um, but 
that disruption and maybe him not being as mobile as he normally would be at 100% could uh, hurt you guys. Um, yeah. Um, I think overall, um, I feel pretty confident, confident in our ability. Uh, really, it was the defense, more specifically the secondary, that Ohio State fans were kind of worried about uh, this season. Uh, they weren't really performing all that well. And um, I'm an avid comment reader. Uh, and, you, you know, know what that means? Comment. Con- uh, um, consist- <laughs> consistently, um, you know, Ohio State fans were very upset during games, even during blowouts, uh, about how our defense was playing. Um, and they literally came out and just uh, shut everybody up. I mean, they, they really, I mean, Clemson put up a good amount of points, but um, this game was just out of hand. Uh, defensively, it looked like too much for them to handle. Um, you know, everybody, I, I'm not saying that he's on the same level, um, but, you know, even Travis Etienne, everybody was saying he was a huge um, impact player for Clemson, uh, saying we needed to stop him and slow him down if we wanted to win the game. Um, he did have a good game by, you know, when you look at the stats, he did have a, a, a decent game, but he didn't have that Travis Etienne game. You know, he had 32 yards rushing on 10 attempts with a touchdown. And, you know, receiving, he had 64 yards on four catches. Um, it's not a bad game. It's not a hor- horrible game by any means. Uh, but if you want to win a game against Clemson and Etienne, one of their best players has a stat line like that, you have a good chance. Um, so I think we did really good at that. I think if we're able to, you know, do something similar with uh, Devontae Smith, uh, we have a good chance. Um, obviously, the offense is balling out. I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, it really is just a matter of how these corners can match up. And like I said, the way they played against Clemson uh, gives me nothing I mean, but confidence. The, the chip on your guys' shoulder that you guys are carrying with you uh, leading into the, this playoffs because of last year and you know the, the doubts that you should even be in the college football playoffs, uh, hence you know Dabo Sweeney ranking you guys 11th, uh, for not playing at least nine games. Um, that chip on your shoulder, I think, you know, gives you guys that push into the national championship, similar to that push back when you guys won the national championship with Cardo Jones and um, Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, that combo, having that balance on offense allowed you guys to, you know, and also being the underdog gave you guys that chip on your shoulder. Whereas this, in this case, Trey Sermon, the way he's been balling out, and Justin Fields, that's that balance that you guys need offensively and having that chip on your shoulder of being disrespected going in and playing the number one team, now having to prove who's really the number one team. And, like, this, we were supposed to have this opportunity last year, not Clemson, and now we're here, and we're here to take care of business. So um, I think carrying that with you guys will help. Well, part, I agree. Um, and a part of me, I mean – uh, that is something in the back of my mind is is me hoping that we don't lose that edge. Um, clearly, it's a national championship game. I don't think that we're going to come out flat. Uh, but when you have a matchup against Clemson, you know that they're hungry because this is the team that beat them last year when they felt like they shouldn't have lost. Um, so I'm just hoping that they still come out against Bama with that same high energy um, and that same execution and just you know go out there and win the, win a football game. That's really what they have to do. Uh, so I'm just hoping that, you know, it being Bama and not Clemson, uh, you know, having that little bit of just, you know, a little bit of hatred for Clemson for what happened, 
Uh, I'm hoping that they don't lose that edge because it's it's Bama. Uh, I don't think they will. I think they're still hungry. I think they still feel like they have stuff to prove. Um, but we'll see. I think it's going to be a good matchup. But obviously, I'm not. I think it's a good match- matchup as yeah. well. Um, I'm still picking Bama just because I still question that defense. But I'm I'll be rooting for you guys. Um, being a Georgia fan, but as a Georgia fan, if you guys go out, if you guys take that lead early, don't get too comfortable now. For you guys watching, um, you know, make sure to comment below. Who do you guys think will come out victorious um, with the national championship? Will it be Bama or will it be Ohio State? Uh, we'll um, be looking forward to seeing what you got, what you guys think. Um, but shifting over to the NFL, um, wildcard weekend is finalized. It's set in place. Um, there's six very interesting matchups. Uh, it's Saints-Bears, Rams-Seahawks, uh, and what other game am I Oh, Bucks-Washington uh, football team on the NFC. And the AFC, it's Bills-Colts. Titans, Bill. I mean, no, Titans, um, Ravens, and help me, help me out with the last one. Steelers, Steelers Browns on the AFC. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which matchup are you looking for, or which matchups are you looking forward to most out of out of those, and why? Um, for me, it's got to be Seattle uh, versus Los Angeles. Uh, simply because this is, I mean, a lot of these are. Um, this is not, a lot of these are divisional matchups, but this is a divisional matchup that I think will uh, have the closest outcome. I think these two teams are really just neck and neck with talent. I think um, I think what makes it hard to just go out and pick Seattle, uh, because I actually do have the Rams winning this, Um but what makes it hard for me to pick Seattle is the inconsistency of this season. Um, but also what makes it so hard to pick against Seattle is that it's Seattle. They're so talented. Uh, their defense has only gotten better uh, throughout the season. Uh, obviously, Russell Wilson can turn it on just like that and play out of his mind, um, as well as the, the, receive, the two receivers and, and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who are capable of putting up uh, you know, 150 yard games at any point. Tyler Lockett had put up a 200 yard game this season. Like, uh, the team's full of talent. Jamal Adams, like, the list goes on and on of players that they have on that field. Um, so every time I come up with this matchup, um, and like, who do I think is going to win? In my mind, it almost flip flops almost every minute. Like I said, currently I got the Rams winning, but I always get a feeling at one point or another, like, damn, maybe I should be going with Seattle. Um, so it, in my opinion, that's, that's the game that I'm just really excited to see. I'm excited to see all these games. I mean, they're all really good football teams. Um, there's really, I can't really say that there's any bad football teams in the, you know, in the playoffs this year, other than and Washington them, football they, team. They can still pull um, off upset. Yeah. And a hundred percent. And I mean, you saw what, um, I'm sorry. You saw what, uh, Bruce Arian said. He said, we're not facing, you know, a 6-10 and 10 football nine, team. But... We're facing oh, – yeah, he said, we're not facing a 7-9 and nine football team. We're facing a 4-1 and one football team because with Alex Smith – the 5-1, I'm sorry. We don't count that. <laughs> we're not counting that. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 you said, you know, they're four and one. But actually, that, it's funny, though, because that is actually the direct quote. Um, he said, you know, with Alex Smith, this is a four and one football team. Um, so he's taking this very seriously, as I think everybody should, because um, I think Washington is capable of surprising some people. Uh, but like I said, that's my matchup to watch for me because I think it's such a close game is I Seattle mean, and Rams. But I do have the Rams winning currently. So it's, it's uh, questions that you mentioned and you mentioned that are funny that you mentioned that because that's the game I'm looking forward to most in terms of the NFC. Um, just because both games were very competitive uh, and down to the wire. I have the Seahawks winning. I know you had the Seahawks winning in your, you know, season prediction at the, early on before the season. At but the I'm just letting you know, we made our, if, yeah. you better hope Russ don't, don't wear that Kobe jersey coming into the game. You know what happened last time. Hey, man. It, it ain't even, honestly, I won't even be mad if Seattle wins. I love Seattle. Um, it's just hard to pick them right now because you don't know when they're going to be hot. I mean, but their defense has been improving as the season progressed since yeah. Jamal Adams has returned. But for me, I'm going to take my talents to the AFC um, just because I think as a collective, their matchups are more interesting. Um, I'm not going to mention the Browns game because I don't think that's interesting at all, especially with COVID interrupting that matchup. Um, now that Kevin Stefanski's out and – you know, I think they're missing two other players or, or what have you. So that's, in terms of the storyline, that's interesting, I guess. And they just played uh, a close matchup against a backup. It is what it is. The matchups I'm looking forward to is the Bills-Colts game. And the reason why, although me and you both, we're not fans of Philip Rivers and his inconsistent ass, um, I think <laughs> the matchup I'm looking forward to most is the line of scrimmage. Who's going to win the line of scrimmage between the the Colts? Um, well, either way, who's going to win the line of scrimmage on both ends um, is going to be very interesting, and I think it's going to ultimately win the matchup. But the matchup I'm looking forward to most is that Bills offense versus that Colts defense. Colts defense has been one of the best this season, and the Bills are on fire. They're probably one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team, um, going into the playoffs. And... I don't know. That offense got me, like, they're turning me into a fan. And I think the way they're playing, they might give KC a run for the money. They might be, you know, their biggest competitor uh, in the AFC, uh, just the way that they're playing. They've just been so electric on both ends, but specifically their offense. Um, But I also like the other matchup. And although a lot of people are doubting the Ravens because they lost last year to the Titans, and they lost in the regular season to the Titans. I'm interested in the storyline. Does Lamar Jackson overcome this hump come playoff time? He's 0-2 in the playoffs. Um, a lot of people are, you know, saying that he can't win come playoff time, yada, yada, yada. But mind you, they had to win. They had to go undefeated in order to make the playoffs. They went, they won five straight heading into the playoffs. And I think the, the game that's going to stand out out of those is the Browns game. Because I think um, that's going to prepare them for a playoff atmosphere. And, you know, we know he, he was out and he came in and won them the game like Superman. He ran from the locker room and won them the game. I think this game's going to be interesting. I have the – I don't even know. This is like with the Rams game with you. Every time I think about this game, I flip-flop back and forth. <laughs> Originally I had the Titans, but at this moment as we're recording, I'm 
thinking Lamar Jackson is going to come out and ball and and win this game because they 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 played in Week 11. The Titans beat the Ravens 30 to 24 in overtime, and that was a big uh, Derrick Henry run. And I don't know. I I just like the Ravens defense more in this matchup. I especially both teams are run heavy, and the Ravens defense is eighth against the run, whereas the Titans defense is 19th against the run. Um, but I think it's all going to depend on the success of their quarterbacks in the passing game. Who's gonna do? Who's gonna do well, um, or do better? Will it be Lamar Jackson, or will it be Ryan Tannehill? Um, the past two matchups has been Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, that should be a good game. Um, most of the time I'm thinking about this game. Obviously, Baltimore always has the opportunity to win, but I'm really liking Tennessee in this game. I think I they're gonna it. win it. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty set on that. Honestly, um, I think. I mean, Lamar Jackson said that, you know, the Chiefs are their kryptonite. But right now, like you said, they're 0-2. He's 0-2 in the playoffs. Um, you need to win a playoff game before you can even get the opportunity to face KC. Um, so right now, the playoffs are their kryptonite. Um, and honestly, I just think Tennessee is a really good football team right now. Uh, they're just playing solid football all around. Um, what Arthur Smith is doing uh, for that offense and Ryan Tannehill in general uh, this season has been great. Um, if I'm the Titans, I'm hoping he's not offered a head coaching job uh, because what he's doing right now for that offense, uh, specifically Ryan Tannehill, is amazing. Um, so I think Tennessee does win this game. Um, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm flip-flopping back and forth. It'll be, I think it'll be a close one. For it's sure. definitely a close for one. Sure. It's tough. But for me, I, I, I got to go with Tennessee. Hey, come game time, I might switch so back. Weird. I don't know. But, but as we record <laughs> – I'm I'm in the groove with the Ravens. That's good. That's good. That's gonna be me if I see Russ pull up that Kobe jersey. <laughs> I don't know. These matchups are gonna be very interesting. Even though Washington's you know below 500, they have the chance of upsetting the Bucks. Anything's possible, and and I'm interested to see what, what happens. But in terms of these head coaching uh, vacancies, there's six of them: Jags, Jets, Chargers, Lions, uh, Texans. Falcons. To start off, the, the Texans did fill their GM position. They hired Nick Casario, which was the Patriots. He worked for the Patriots in their personnel department. Um, they tried hiring him, I think it was a couple years ago, um, but they they was about to get fined and, you know, lost a draft pick, so they pulled back, gave uh, Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien the rights to their GM uh, position or the responsibilities, and that was the end of their franchise. Because there you go, DeAndre Hopkins out the window, uh, draft picks out the window. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> well, Deshaun Watson want, now wants out. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was an interesting hire. Um, I was on record um, telling people that you know their best chance was John Dorsey in terms of getting draft capital back. But realistically, they're going to go the Patriots way because they like to be the Patriots 2.0. Uh, and uh, they that's what they want. They went in that direction. But my question to you is, if you were a head coach and you had you know, a chance to go to any of these teams, which situation would you want to go to? Uh, like, what's the best landing spot in your eyes? Um, so, personally... Um... I've always been a big fan of Atlanta's culture. 
in terms of when it comes to their their football team. Um, I love what Arthur Blank does over there. I feel like he has a great relationship always with his GMs, his head coaches, and his players. Um, I feel like he's very personable. He's not just the owner of the team. He makes that team uh, seem like a family. I mean, that's literally Atlanta Falcons. They call it a brotherhood, and it seems that way. Uh, So I love the culture over there. It seems like it'd be an easy group of guys to coach. Uh, Seems like they have a very coachable unit uh, in general. Um, They have loads of talent. Um, I think third or fourth pick this year in the draft. There's obviously been some talk of Julio and possibly Matt Ryan being dealt. Um, I honestly think whether or not they are dealt, Atlanta has a very – a very good chance of winning soon, winning sooner than some of these other teams, um, in my opinion. There are some uh, very good teams out there, obviously, um, but with everything as a as a whole, um, not just the talent, but like I said, the ownership, everything, it's Atlanta for me. Um, what, Like I said, whether or not they deal Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, I'm hoping they don't, especially if I'm a head coach. I think that uh, right now, with the Jags projected to get Trevor Lawrence or even, well, Trevor Lawrence, um, I don't think that the Jets will now go QB unless they start to, unless we were assuming that they're sold on Justin Fields now and they grab him. Who knows? I don't think they go QB now that Trevor Lawrence is off the board. Um, I don't think they should either. Um, I think that leaves room for them to maybe trade back. Maybe Atlanta trades up and gets them a Justin Fields. Um, He's from Atlanta. which would be great. Or um, from Georgia, at least. 100%. They have loads of talent, 100%. And if um, they have a very young defense, um, so depending on who you bring in at defensive coordinator to coach them up, very talented young guys um, who got better throughout uh, at the end of the season, uh, performed uh, immensely at the end of the season compared to what they were not able to do in the beginning. Um, so like I said, I feel like they have loads of talent. They have the best chance at winning sooner and just the culture of that team um 100 percent i'm magnetized i'm i'm going out who do you out of all the coaching candidates who do you think's like the the best fit for that team um i feel like it's eric the enemy uh for the simple fact that i feel like with the offensive talent they currently have on the roster uh and that's before uh trading matt ryan julio jones assuming uh that they you know, are planning to go that route. And even if they do go that route, like I said, grabbing a Justin Fields, still having Calvin Ridley, if you're able to retain Todd Gurley, who, you know, Eric Bieniemy will probably be able to use him in the passing game, something that Atlanta failed to do this season, um, which I think they should have done more of. I think he has a better chance at kind of replicating what he did in KC with a team like Atlanta that's already has uh, such talented uh, skill position players. Uh, so I do think that is the best fit for them or f- for him and for them. I think that team would go great. I think the only thing hand. working against Atlanta um, in that situation is their cap situation. And that's because they're currently, I think, 24 and a half, 25 uh, million under cap, um, which is why they're thinking about offloading Julio or Matt Ryan, uh, per se. But I think you're right. I think Eric Bieniemy, for me, his best fits were Houston and Atlanta. Um, 
Atlanta more so because they have tons of weapons on the offensive end, uh, similar to how he has in, in KC, which is what you were echoing. Um, Todd Gurley, I think, is a, whether you think he's his old self or not, he's still a really good goal line back. And the strength of his was, you know, catching out of the backfield, which they, Dirk Cutter, uh, didn't utilize at all. It was his their offense was very predictable when he wasn't in the game. It was more more likely that they were uh, passing than running, um, which is why I think they need an offensive-minded head coach, uh, and Eric Bieniemy would be perfect. Um, so I'd love to see that, and I definitely would love to see Justin Fields uh, in Atlanta. Uh, you know, hey him him and Todd Gurley. I might be, I might have to, you know, be be on the sideline with, with <laughs> Isaiah rooting for him as long as they ain't playing the Giants. Yeah. Hey man, uh, I'd 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 love to see I'd love to see him in that Atlanta Falcons jersey. Um, more than anything, uh, players like him. Um, I feel like he'll get an opportunity that a player that I like in Dwayne Haskins wasn't uh offered in Washington. Um, I almost. As much as much as you know, a guy coming out of college, a top prospect, you'd hope that he could turn around a team in general because he is a top prospect for that reason. It's still so tough when you go into such an environment, um, and it almost feels like these guys aren't given uh, the right opportunity or even just a good enough opportunity. I think Atlanta for Justin Fields would be perfect, um, especially if they still have Matt Ryan by the time the season comes and he sits under him. Uh, that'd be great. Um, a team that probably does want him, because if I'm Atlanta, I do want him. Um, and a team that'll give him an opportunity to thrive, because he's not coming into a situation uh, where his offense is completely depleted, uh, especially because I don't think Atlanta, um, if they do get rid of Julio and Matt Ryan, they might be, but I don't think they are. They, if they get rid of one or the other, I think they're still capable. Um but I think if they get rid of both, then they're in a complete rebuild. If they don't, then, you know, I think Justin Fields would be fine because he's not in a completely depleted offense. Um, and so I think that would be a great fit for him, especially especially if they do end up going the route. I, of I think if they game. don't go quarterback in the draft, I think Dwayne Haskins would be a good option to bring in and, like, put under Matt Ryan's wing. I think he has potential. I think he – He's obviously not carrying himself the best off the field, which I, I think that just comes with maturity. But in terms of talent, he has it. He just has to, you know, he needs people who are invested in him to kind of help mold him. And that's he didn't have that in Washington. And these franchises are carrying these teams more like business, um, businesses I, per se, um, which they're carrying these players and they're looking at them as they're, they're expendable. Uh, so you have to produce, and if not, you're going. Like they are not giving these young quarterbacks time to develop. Just look at Josh Rosen, uh, per se. Uh, after one year, they went Kyler Murray. Uh, Ky- Kyler Murray, um, and a lot of people are saying Sam Darnold is out, uh, and they they might go the route of quarterback, which I disagree. I think they need to surround him. I think he has a lot of potential. The Giants, a lot of fans are bashing Daniel Jones and want him gone too, and I think he's shown uh enough to stay i mean and granted there's there's bad with the good but he, he's showing 
they there's potential and you can that's some that's giving you something that you can work with um but from my if i was a coach jacksonville is very appealing um this is not my location but jacksonville is very appealing because they have uh north they have, have at least eight eighty million in cap space um they have two first round picks two second round picks uh a third and they have seven picks between the fourth and seventh round which is why you know urban meyer might be interested in that position if they were willing to pay him some big bucks but also that it's close no state income tax and you know it's close to the university of florida where he's a coach but the, the position that i would be interested in most would be the los angeles chargers um we they have a lot of proven pieces like jacksonville they have a lot of young uh pieces in place that you know have potential on both offense and defense but the Chargers have uh, players in place that you know can ball. Like, they have Joey Bosa on the defensive end. Um, they have uh, Murray, Kenneth Murray, which they just drafted out of Oklahoma, who proved his rookie season that he can ball. They have Derwin James, who's one of the best safeties in the league, when healthy. Um, that's just a glimpse. And then on the offensive end, you have your quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert, who balled out his rookie season. Um, and... Yeah. If it wasn't for them losing close games, uh, they they could have been a playoff team. Um, you ha- yeah. And if it wasn't for Justin Jefferson yeah, going off won and, and breaking a Randy Moss record. He yeah, and then they have Austin Eckler. They have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams um, on the offensive end. They have Hunter Henry, but he's a, a pending free agent, but I'm pretty sure they can keep him. The only thing they're missing on offense is really is the offensive line. And defense in terms is just to stay healthy. Um, so that's probably the most appealing to me. Um, and the, the coach that I think would be perfect. I mean, they, they requested to interview Jason Garrett and as a Giants fan, I love to hear it because I need him to get the fuck out of New York. Um, and I think that would honestly force the Giants to go in a different direction because with our luck, he'll stay if not, but the, the coach that I think is a perfect fit for them is Brian Dable. Um, from the offensive coordinator from Buffalo. Um, we've seen what he w- was able to do with Josh Allen, who has a very similar skill set to Justin Herbert. They're both very athletic for their size. Um, and as a quarterback, they have a huge arm. Um, so just look at the leap that, that he has made um, from last year to this year. He's, You can say he's in the MVP conversation. Rather, do you, it, will he win? No. There's just other, you know, candidates that have performed better, but he's in the conversation, and he's having an yeah, he, MVP worthy season. Um, and it's a lot of it has to do with Brian Dable and the arrival of Stephon Diggs. But if you bring him to that offense in LA, you already have a number one receiver in in, um, in Keenan Allen and a, a quarterback with a very similar skill set. I think he could help him develop to become even better. And that offense will thrive to the point where they'll put up enough points to not even be in these close matchups. Like a lot of the matchups they lost, they could win. And they just it's a lot of it's just barring their offensive um, scheme, which I think they will help out. And if he brings a, a great defensive mind, it's more the health of that defense because they have the talent in place. Yeah, I agree. And oh. and and they have um I think thirty million in cap space, so that helps out too. Uh, but to touch a little bit on when you spoke about the Jets, um, I agree. I think uh, 
they do rather than getting rid of send Arnold, they they need to put weapons around them. Um, and I heard that there's a team in Atlanta that's trying to offload a receiver. And shout out to my boy Manny from the Expansion Pack podcast. But he did say Julio Jet Jones to the Jets. Well, I, I, if Atlanta's I, trying to get Justin Fields and trade up, uh, that could be possibly part of a trade package. Um, I I can see that happening, but I think uh, someone someone more in a chance of winning now. Like, I do. We'll trade that. for Julio just because he's on the opposite side of thirty. Um, I think more. I think a better option for them will be uh, a running back from uh, you know your favorite school, Ohio State. <laughs> I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott will. I think might be a better option. I think they might look to offload his contract so that they can pay Dak. Um, they seen what the team was like without him, and without Dak, I should say, and they realize how important he is to that team. And and Tony Pollard, he stepped up. So that shows that Zeke might be expendable. I mean, and it's unfortunate that Dak had to get hurt uh, for the Cowboys to realize that. Uh, But that's exactly what that did uh, was open Jerry Jones' eyes because that team was completely garbage after his injury. So if I'm the Jets, this is what I do. You have the number two pick. Your first option should be to trade back, try to get a similar uh, package that you had to give away to trade up to get Sam Darnold. Um, yep. If not, draft Penny Sewell, the left tackle out of uh, Oregon. And, you know, you would put him at left tackle, move Makai Becton to right tackle, who he played well at left tackle, but in terms of, um, you know, injury concern, he wasn't the healthiest. So moving him to right tackle can still benefit you're protecting Sam Darnold and your investment and then you go trade and get Zeke Elliott which now that that offensive line investment helps out both Sam Darnold and Zeke and getting Zeke who's a proven running back can offload the pressure off of Sam Darnold and you can get you know a run a receiver in this in the later rounds or the second or third round this draft class is as deep if not well, I'm not gonna say deeper, but it's as deep as last year's class. So they can you can get a, a receiver late, and if not, you can get one in free agency. There's plenty. They have enough cap space to go out and do so. They have at least 70, 70 million. I think that's the way to go. But their defense is still ass, and I think most of that cap space needs to go towards their defense. So, um, in terms of revitalizing their offense, that was you know where I was going. Hundred percent. I mean, I agree with all those moves. Uh, the Jets need to do something. For sure. Because. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why Jets fans <laughs> ever thought they were uh, running New York. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Um, but that's all we have for you guys today. Um, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you haven't already, um, go like, follow, and subscribe. Um, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you guys if you go like, follow, and subscribe. Uh, and. If you haven't already, go check out our guys at the Expansion Pack Podcast. I know Javon mentioned them not that long ago, but go check them out if you're a big fan of gaming or gaming no, uh, news and you know, you're know you looking for a place to get go get your gaming content and laugh along the way. It's the podcast for you. Um, and go check out our guy, Don from 96, dropping some content. Now that it's 2021. Um, look out for his upcoming single. It's called um, Nutcase. 
So yeah. um, be on the lookout. Go check out his SoundCloud. Uh, and if uh, if you like the song that we had in that previous episode that he was actually on, and you do want to listen to him or you want to know when he's dropping, he is actually back on Instagram like he was saying he would be um, at Don from ninety six. So. Um, you know, go show him some love, go give him a follow, as well as Expansion Podcast. Um, and I know Devin said, leave a comment and say who you got winning the champion, the national, the natty. Um, but, you know, we also want to know what game you're looking forward to in these NFL playoffs. Um, you know, what are you hoping, if, if your team is looking, if your team is one of the ones looking for a coach, who are you hoping you hire? Who are you hoping you draft? You know, let us know you know, what you want to see from your team and this offseason. Uh, so it doesn't have to be about the natty. Uh, we would love to know who you pick, but, you know, you know, anything, anything you want, you want to, you know, leave a comment. For sure, for sure. Uh, I just want you guys, want to let you guys know more current, more content is on the way. Bigger and better, balls deep. Uh, 2021, uh, just, just know that we put out on our social media pages that our Schedule has changed. We're going to be dropping content every Tuesday and Thursday, um, and every Wednesday is our poll of the week. So make sure to go check those out and comment as well. Um, But that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, Peace. You're talking about balls deep. I'm talking about balls deep. We're We're talking talking about balls deep in love. My boy's talking about balls deep. We're talking about balls deep in love.